What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about Jamar Chase. Should Bengals fans be concerned about his preseason struggles so far? Why you shouldn't sleep on TCU? Why Miami will win the ACC Coastal this year and 2021? Is Kentucky the biggest sleeper team in the SEC this year? And lastly, how good will Arkansas be this upcoming college football season? Now, if you are a new listener of the podcast, make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review down below. Make sure that you follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and Twitter is both Sports underscore. And lastly, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is Sports. So... Jamar Chase has had a lot of struggles so far during the preseason. He had a lot of drops in this past week's preseason game against Washington. And there are a lot of people out there on social media saying that the Bengals made a mistake drafting Jamar Chase fifth overall over Penny Sewell. Now, me personally, if I was a Bengals fan, I wouldn't be too concerned about Jamar Chase struggles. Now, Jamar Chase struggles don't just, you know, come from the preseason. Even before the preseason started, there were a lot of reports coming out of training camp that Jamar Chase hasn't really looked all that fantastic during training camp. He's been struggling to create separation, hasn't really been winning those 50-50 balls. So there was already some skepticism that I had about Jamar Chase before the preseason even began. But I don't really pay that much attention to the reports that come out of training camp because I'm somebody who wants to see what happens and what goes down on the field because there were a lot of people saying that Zach Wilson didn't look great during training camp and that he was struggling. Well, so far this preseason, Zach Wilson has pretty much looked the lights out. But when you look at Jamar Chase, okay, I definitely understand what those reports were saying about him struggling to create separation and there has been a good amount of inconsistency. But the reason why I'm not too worried is because first of all, the majority of rookie wide receivers that are drafted in the NFL don't really come out the gate, you know, on fire. They normally pick up a good amount of momentum during the second half of the season around week nine, week 10 is where we start to see these rookie wide receivers start to go off. Not everybody's going to bust on the scene like an Odell Beckham or a Justin Jefferson. Most rookie wide receivers don't end up going off until like the second half of the rookie year. And you also got to remember Jamar Chase hasn't really played in any, you know, organized football matchups until like the preseason just started. Before that, he didn't play in 2020 because he opted out. So last time we really saw Justin Jeff, well, Jamar Chase actually play on the field in a real football game for LSU was like 2019. So you guys got to remember, he's still getting back into football form and he hasn't really played in a real football matchup prior to the preseason in a very long time. So I kind of expected him to kind of struggle coming out the gate, but I definitely think that he is going to improve and if you're a Bengals fan I mean you shouldn't really be shocked I don't really know what the expectations were that a lot of Bengals fans had for Jamar Chase but I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have pretty high expectations for him since the fact that you drafted him fifth overall and he was the first wide receiver taken off the board so I mean I definitely understand why some Bengals fans may be concerned but coming from a Steeler fan I 
I wouldn't be too concerned. Most rookie wide receivers don't really start picking things up until the second half of the season. Now, with Jamar Chase having the drops that he has had in his performances in the preseason, they definitely haven't really been that encouraging. Okay, I have been kind of disappointed with what I've seen out of Jamar Chase. I was hoping to see a little bit more flashes of greatness out of him, showing everybody why he was drafted fifth overall. We really haven't had any of those moments. Even Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith played last well a couple of days ago and although he didn't have crazy numbers that are jumping out out of you you definitely saw the reason why Philadelphia drafted Devontae Smith when they did with his route running like he had a couple of good plays when he was able to move the chains of Philadelphia we haven't really saw any of those moments out of Jamar Chase as of yet to why the Bengals drafted him fifth overall so I think that his rookie season isn't going to be as good as what a lot of Bengals fans were expecting I think some Bengals fans are probably expecting him to go for over a thousand yards probably have like six or seven touchdowns but I was expecting him to have like 600 700 receiving yards probably around 60 70 catches and probably like four touchdowns which isn't a bad season for a rookie wide receiver that's probably the standard when you draft a rookie wide receiver in the first round but when you draft a guy like Jamar Chase fifth overall then of course you expect to have more production out of him during his rookie campaign but you got to remember he hasn't really played an official football game prior to the preseason starting since 2019 with LSU so I'm definitely not surprised that Chase has struggled the way he has but I definitely think he's going to end up getting back into the form he was he's still trying to get into the floor of the game he's still trying to get back into football shape so Bengals fans should you be worried yeah, a little bit, but I think he's going to end up picking up steam. Let's just wait until the second half of the regular season. He's also reunited with Joe Burrow, so I'm pretty sure him and Joe Burrow, they already have a pretty good connection. Remember, Joe Burrow has yet to play in the preseason so far. The Bengals are taking a lot of cautionary measures with Joe Burrow in terms of bringing him back. He is going to start, but he's not playing in the preseason, so I definitely think when Joe Burrow gets in at QB that Jamar Chase is definitely going to have have a significant amount of improvement he hasn't really been playing with the greatest QBs as of late during the preseason so hopefully with Joe Burrow returning that should reunite him and get him back on the right track since him and Joe Burrow already have a pretty good connection playing with each other during their time at LSU the next thing let's move on to some college football I want to talk about why I feel the Miami Hurricanes will win the ACC Coastal Division this season. Now, Manny Diaz has been the head coach for the Miami Hurricanes for a good minute. And I think that this is finally the year that we see Manny Diaz put everything together and finally get Miami back to the ACC Conference Championship game this year. This is the best team that Manny Diaz has had during his time as the head coach for the Miami Hurricanes. And I also feel like this is the best team that the Miami Hurricanes have put on the field in a very long time. As a matter of fact, I think it's better than that team that won 10 games back in, what was it, 2017, I believe it was, with Malik Rozier at QB. So I think this team is more more talented than that 2017 team. You look at the Eric King returning at QB along with offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley going into his second year with the program. I'm really excited to see this offense take the next step. The Eric King, a lot of people have questions about how he's going to look returning from that injury that he suffered in the bowl game a couple of months ago against Oklahoma State. But according to the reports I've been reading coming out of 
on fall camp for Miami. De'Ari King has looked really good. He's also been really good running with the football as well. So a lot of people think that De'Ari King is 100% or at least somewhere close to being 100% ready for the season opener against Alabama. And a lot of people are really confident that De'Ari King is going to be the same player that he was last season, this season as well. You also got to look at the fact that Miami improved the wide receiving position, which was the biggest weakness on this offense last year. You had a lot of inconsistency there. Aside from Mike Harley, you had a lot of drops, a lot of, you know, just not really a lot of great production there. So what do you do to improve the wide receiver position where you get Charleston Rambo transfer from OU from the transfer portal? That's definitely a big help. Now you have him and Mike Carley, which is probably one of the best one-two punches in the wide receiver room in the whole entire ACC. Then you also got D. Wiggins, Mark Pope, which those guys are pretty solid players. I think they do provide good depth. So the offensive line also, I think that Miami has the second best offensive line in the ACC, either the second best or the best offensive line, depending on who you ask. This offensive line has a good amount of experience. It's going to be led by offensive tackle Zion Nelson, who as of right now is projected to be a first round pick in next year's 2022 NFL draft. Some mock drafts have him going in the top 10. Some mock drafts have him going like uh, top 15 top 20 pick so this off the line is the best off the line that Miami has had in some years and the off the line for Miami has always been a growing pain over the last couple of years but it looks like they finally have the offensive line figured out going into this year which is why I'm really excited because now with an improved off the line it's going to give the wide receivers more time to get open the running game is also going to be great this year but the running game for Miami has been great for over the last couple of years despite not having the best offensive line play and I'm really excited about how this running back room looks right now because I think Miami has one of the best running back rooms in all of college football and I don't think enough people talk about it everybody's talking about you know the depth that Georgia and Alabama have in their RB room but I definitely think that you can put Miami in that same conversation you have Cameron Harris who is a monster you have Jalen Knighton you have Dan Chaney Jr. like a really talented running back room and I think a lot of people in the college football world are going to take notice how deep this RB rotation is once the season kicks off. Now, you look at tight end, you have Will Mallory there who probably is the best tight end in the ACC. He's going to be taking over for Brevin Jordan who declared for the NFL draft. So... I'm really excited about how this offense looks. I'm expecting a lot of big things out of this offense. This probably could end up being one of the best offenses in college football because you look at the big impact that Red Lashley had year one. And you got to remember, Miami at the time before Red Lashley got there, their offense was really underwhelming. They struggled to move the ball down the field. They weren't great converting on third down. So you bring in Red Lashley in just one year, he just completely changes the offense. And also, he did it during a COVID year. He wasn't really able to implement the offense during, you know, a normal offseason when you have a normal spring camp, a normal fall camp. So he pretty much was doing a lot of installation on Zoom meetings and whatnot. So for Red Lashley, now that he has a normal offseason to implement his offense, I think that's also going to provide a big boost as well. And I think the defense is going to be really solid also with Manny Diaz being a defensive-minded coach. You have a 
lot of experience in the secondary. You bring in Tyreek Stevenson from the transfer portal, transferring from the University of Georgia. You still have DJ Ivy, Corey Couch, um, Al Blades. You got Bubba Bolden at safety. So this is a really experienced secondary that Miami has. And I think linebacker should be pretty improved as well. Linebacker was kind of a weak spot for this team, but I think it definitely is going to end up improving. Now, my concern is the defensive line in the pass rush because you lost Quincy Roche and you lost Jalen Phillips to the NFL. But overall, I think Miami has a really talented team. I think that this is the second best team in the ACC. And that's why they're my pick to win the ACC Coastal Division this year. I know a lot of people are going to say North Carolina. That's been the popular pick amongst the majority of college football fans out there. And I understand because you have Sam Howell, who is one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. Okay, Mac Brown has done a really good job with that UNC program, but UNC has lost a lot of talent, okay, on both sides of football. You lost Chaz Surratt at linebacker. You also lost two of your starting wide receivers and two of your starting running backs to the NFL. So UNC is going to have to replace a lot of production. Now, I'm not, you know, trying to discredit and say that UNC doesn't have the talent to replace those guys. I'm just saying that it's kind of going to be a little bit difficult to replace the production that they had out of those positions that they lost. So me personally, Personally, when you look at Miami, I definitely feel like enough people aren't giving Miami the credit they deserve when it comes to the UNC um, comparison. All I just see people saying is, oh, yeah, UNC is going to run the Coastal because they have Sam Howell. People have like the Eric King is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Now, he may not be, you know, a highly rated NFL prospect due to his size and whatnot, but he definitely is a difference maker. So, I mean, like, I don't really understand why more people aren't picking Miami to win the Coastal. Maybe it's because the history that Miami has had in the past of, you know, letting people down and disappointing. But I mean, Miami has a better team than North Carolina. You have a lot of experience on both sides of the football compared to a North Carolina team that basically has to replace two productive running backs even though you did bring in a running back from Tennessee who should be really good but you still have to replace your two wide receivers and Daz Newsom and Dami Brown and I think too many people are just giving North Carolina benefit of a doubt just because they Sam, they have Sam Howell but you look at Miami they have a great quarterback one of the best in college football and you have a really great group of wide receivers you have a lot of experience on both sides of the football so I really feel like Miami should end up winning the Coastal this year. And they do end up playing North Carolina. So that's going to be one of the biggest games of the year in the ACC because that's pretty much going to decide who's going to end up playing Clemson in the ACC championship game representing the Coastal. But I feel like Miami definitely should be the popular pick even though I don't really understand why people still keep going with North Carolina. Like literally, somebody says UNC is going to win the Coastal and then their explanation is they have Sam Howell and then somebody says okay but they lost this and this and they say well they have Sam Howell at QB so he's going to elevate the play of the team and I do agree with that but at the same time you still have to look at the fact that Miami has a lot of experience at every single position okay they're loaded at wide receiver they're loaded at running back. They have one of the best RB rooms in college football, along with a really solid offensive line. So I'm 
I'm kind of having a hard time understanding why people continue to pick UNC over Miami. And I understand the coaching staff is going to, you know, continue to develop and elevate those players as well. You're definitely going to have some guys who are going to step up and play very well. But at the same time, like, I just don't understand how people can pick UNC over Miami when you look at the experience that Miami returns and the depth that Miami has. So Miami is my pick to win the Coastal Division this year. You guys let me know what you guys think about this take down in the comment section down below if you're watching this on YouTube. Do you guys think that Miami is going to win the Coastal this year or do you think that it's going to go to North Carolina? So... I want to talk about TCU, why you shouldn't sleep on TCU this upcoming college football season. Now, TCU under Gary Patterson last season finished with a 6-4 and four record. They went 5-4 and four in the Big 12. And I think that TCU is definitely a team that a lot of people are overlooking this year because they are going to have one of the best defenses in college football this year. You have a lot of athleticism. You have a lot of experience. Like this defense is going to be really phenomenal. And when you're going against a loaded and stacked offense in Oklahoma, I definitely feel like TCU has the perfect defense to counteract how great that Oklahoma offense is going to be this year, led by Spencer Rattler, who a lot of people are predicting to be the number one overall pick in next year's 2022 NFL draft. Like TCU's defense defense is really underrated and a lot of people are talking about how good Alabama's defense is going to be how good LSU's defense could be this year but a lot of people are extremely overlooking and underrating this TCU defense they have a really nasty defensive line okay you have defensive end Mantis who had nine sacks last season you have Kari Coleman who also had three sacks last year those two guys are going to be lights out this year I think that both of those players could end up having at least 10 sacks this year you also have defensive tackles Terrell Cooper George Ellis Kenny Turner who was a UCF transfer there is a lot of talent and depth when it comes to defensive line for TCU. And I think that this defensive line is going to be probably the best D-line in the Big 12 this year. And I know some people may disagree with that because you look at how much talent OU has, especially Iowa State as well. But I think TCU has the best D-line in the Big 12 this year. Now, linebacker, okay, I understand why people may have some reservations about the linebacker position because you did lose the linebacker Garrett Wallow, who is now gone, but you still have D. Winter who returns. He had 65 tackles last year, two sacks, and two pass deflections. And the rest of the linebacking core should be pretty solid. We're probably going to figure out more about it during fall camp. But the front seven is really good. I like linebacker. I'm in love with the defensive line. I love the rotation. I love the depth they have at that position, especially who's projected to be the starters there but cornerback is another position okay that's pretty solid as well I think their cornerback position is going to be good enough to get the job done now the biggest concern that a lot of people probably going to have is going to be okay JT you're selling us how good this defense is you're selling us how good the defensive line is how good the linebacker position is and corner should be solid but what about safety JT because TCU had the best safety duo in all of college football last year with more Rick and or Darius Washington, who are both in the NFL, who's going to be replacing those guys, JT? And my answer to that question is, 
I don't really know yet. Okay. And I also will understand for people who use that notation to say, hey, JT, I mean, safety may be a step down from what it was last year. And I definitely understand that because it's going to be hard to replace the production that you had out of Morick and or Darius Washington because those were two of the best safeties in college football and they both played on the same team. So, of course, it's going to be really hard to replace that kind of production. I definitely understand that. All right. But I definitely think that TCU is going to be able to figure out who's going to be their two starting safeties. But even though you're going to have a drop off in production at safety, pretty much every other position on defense is going to continue to elevate. Okay. The defensive line, like I already mentioned, is going to be really good. I think they're going to be really good at getting pressure on the quarterback. Linebackers should still be really solid as well with corner. So although you do have a drop off when it comes to the safety position, everything else on the defensive side of the football should go up. So I'm really high on this TCU defense. I think this is going to be the best defense in the Big 12 this year, despite a lot of people being really high on OU's defense. Now, offense definitely should improve. The offense last year, I don't think was bad, but it was kind of inconsistent, especially when you look at the running game. Quarterback Max Duggan led the team in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. He had 526 rushing yards and 10 rushing TDs. And when you look at Max Duggan, okay, this man was the he was a driving force behind the offense, to say the least. He threw for 1,795 passing yards, completed 60.8% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. This guy was a monster last year, and I think he's going to be poised for a breakout season. And I also think that he could be a dark horse Heisman candidate this year that a lot of people aren't talking about because you look at the production that he had last year, a lot of people weren't really talking about it. A lot of people didn't really talk about what he did on the ground. Nobody really talked about TCU all that much. So I'm really excited to see what he does this year. I definitely feel like he can have a breakout season. Now, the running back position is going to be led by Zach Evans. I think he's going to end up having a breakout season as well. He had 54 carries last year with 388 rushing yards and four touchdowns. You also have Kendra Miller. You have a lot of experience at wide receiver. You have Quentin Jones. Johnston coming back. You have Tay Barber, Darius Davis there. So there's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room for TCU. And with the improvement that this off the line should make when it comes to pass protection, they were pretty good against the run, but they weren't really all that great when it came to pass blocking. I think that's going to improve also. So with the off the line improving, that's going to elevate the pass game because now you're going to give Max more time to drop back and find his wide receivers. You're also going to increase more running lanes that are going to be open so with this off the line improving the whole entire offense is going to take a step up in production and really if TCU's offense is at least above average, then I think that this team has a really good chance of being able to be a dark horse team when it comes to being able to make it to the Big 12 championship game. Because you have Texas, who has a new coaching staff. We don't really know what to expect out of Steve Sarkeesian and company. Iowa State, a lot of people are really high on them and Oklahoma as well. But I definitely feel like TCU could easily end up being the second best team in the Big 12 this year because I like how great this defense is going to be. You have a lot 
lot of experience, a lot of athleticism. There are a lot of guys playing on this TCU defense that are probably going to be playing on Sundays as well. So I'm just really excited to see what TCU does this year, man. And this is a team that I think could end up winning eight, maybe nine games this year, possibly a New Year's Six bowl game appearance. Okay. Now I understand that they may not have the talent that a team like OU may have for Iowa State, but I definitely feel like a lot of people are really sleeping on TCU. A lot of people have been giving out their biggest sleeper teams for this year. I've been seeing Kentucky, LSU, of course, is probably going to have a bounce back here. I wouldn't really consider them to be a sleeper. You got Wisconsin. Some people have been saying NC State, but I really feel like a, not enough people are talking about how good TCU is going to be. Like, I think that this may be the biggest sleeper team in college football outside of Kentucky and Arizona State because the talent's definitely there. You definitely do have the quarterback who is going to be able to win you a good amount of games who potentially could have a breakout season where he ends up being a dark horse Heisman contender. Like, do not sleep on Max Duggan. I don't know if people call him Max Duggan or Max Dugan, but I think that Max Duggan is going to have a really phenomenal season. I think he's probably going to throw for like 28 touchdowns. He's probably going to run for eight touchdowns. I don't think he's going to have as many rushing touchdowns this season as he had last year due to the fact that I think the running back position is definitely going to step up this season. So I do think that he's going to be a great QB this year. And I think a lot of people are going to end up remembering this name come around this time next year. He's probably going to be a Heisman favorite in 2020 because he definitely has all the tools to be successful, especially with the wide receiver depth and the talent that they have there. Like a lot of people are really sleeping on TCU. And I think that this is the year that Gary Patterson and TCU get back on the national radar and have people talking about Texas Christian University again. Okay. Is Kentucky the biggest sleeper team in the SEC now? A popular sleeper team that a lot of people have been really high on in the media has been Kentucky. Now, last year they went to five and six. They finished four and six in SEC play. But a lot of people are really high on the Wildcats this year. You're going to have a new look offense under offensive coordinator Leon Cohen, who was the assistant coach for the Los Angeles Rams under Sean McVay. So a lot of Kentucky fans are excited to see what changes and wrinkles he adds to this Kentucky offense. And it's going to be really exciting to see because Kentucky's offense has kind of been a little bit old-fashioned. They've been running the football, only throwing need be. So now with this new look offense, you're going to have a new QB in Will Levis who's going to get the start. It, had, it, had, it was already announced a couple of days ago that he was going to end up being a starting quarterback. And apparently, according to Coach Stoops, it was pretty obvious that Will Levis was the best QB from spring camp and whatnot. Now, I was kind of a little bit disappointed because I wanted to see my guy Joey Gatewood get the start. He now has entered the transfer portal or it's expected that he will enter the transfer portal. And I'm a big Joey Gatewood fan simply for the fact that I lived in the city of Jacksonville and I've kind of watched Joey Gatewood play a lot during his time at Barton Trail. So, of course, I was rooting for my guy Joey Gatewood. So, he's end up he's going to end up transferring. But Will Levis is clearly according to Coach Stoops, was the best QB, and it didn't really sound like the quarterback competition was all that close. So you look at Will Levis, transfer for Penn State, 
how good is he going to be in this offense? Well, you're looking at the guy who should be extremely accurate. I think he has a pretty good arm as well. And throwing to one of the best wide receiver duos in the SEC, you have Josh Ali. You also have Wondell Robinson transfer from Nebraska. He was the best player on Nebraska's offense last year. So when you look at Josh Ali, he's considered to be a super senior. That's when you had the seniors who played during COVID who were able to come back for one more year of eligibility. So he had 54 receptions last year for 473 receiving yards and a touchdown. Then you look at Wondell Robinson. We already know what he can do. He's already one of the best wide receivers in the SEC. And I think that Josh Ali is going to end up having a great season. I feel like his stats were kind of held back last year by the quarterback play of Kentucky. Terry Wilson wasn't really the greatest thrower of the football. He was a better runner than he was a passer. Now you have a guy in Will Levis who should increase Josh Ali's play. I'm really excited to see Wondell Robinson like this guy. is incredible. You also have tight end Ken Upshaw who was second last year in receptions on the team. Then you have what a lot of people think is the best off the line in the SEC. Returning three out of five starters from last year. The running game also was really good and it should continue to improve with running back Chris Rodriguez expected to get the majority of the workload. He had 785 rushing yards, 6.6 yards per carry and 11 touchdowns. Now you did lose a Zim Rose who now is on the Minnesota Vikings tearing it up right now but Chris Rodriguez could end up carrying the load and I think that he could end up being one of the more underrated running backs in the SEC by the end of this year. So you look at Kentucky and how they're going to make changes on offense, trying to modernize their offense to what the majority of other teams out there are doing. And I think that's a really good first step because if you want to be able to compete in this day and age of college football, you have to be able to score points on the offense. You can't win just running the football 30, 40 times a game and only throwing the football when need be and relying on having an elite defense. You got to be able to at least score 30 points nowadays in this era if you want to be able to contend for not only a conference title but for a national title as well now the defense did lose a lot of talent okay you lost Jamin Davis who was drafted in the first round by Washington Boogie Watson you lost Kelvin Joseph and Quentin Bohana so you lost a lot and I understand why a lot of people may not be high on Kentucky's defense, but I don't think that their defense is going to have that far of a drop-off. And the reason why I say that is because I think Kentucky has a really underrated player development program. I think Kentucky is one of the better teams in college football when it comes to developing the players that they have on their roster. Because you got to understand that Kentucky doesn't recruit on the level as a Alabama, LSU, or Georgia. They're not bringing in top 10, top 15 recruiting classes year after year. So Kentucky, I think they do a really good job developing the players that they're able to get. You know, they have to sit for a couple of years, wait, and, you know, around their third, fourth year, that's where the Kentucky program really starts to peak. Kentucky is one of those programs, like, I feel like every once in a while, they have a peak year where they come out of nowhere and they win, like, nine games. So when you look at Kentucky, I think that their player development is really underrated. And I think they, that they have one of the best player development programs in all of college football. I really like the way that they develop their players. And also on top of that, 
they're getting these guys into the league. You're getting Jamin Davis, who was drafted in the first round this past year. You got Kevin Joseph, who was drafted in the second round. Not to mention a couple of years ago, you had Josh Allen, who went in the first round. So Kentucky is really good when it comes to not only developing the players that they have on their team, but getting them ready for the next level, which is a really good recruiting tool. So I'm not really that concerned about the players that Kentucky lost on defense because they're really good when it comes to developing players and getting guys ready. So you have linebackers. DeAndre Square, who was third on the team last year and tackles. He had 60. You also have Jordan White, who had three and a half sacks, 45 tackles. I think he's going to have a really good year. I think he probably could end up being one of the better linebackers in the SEC with what he's able to do, not only getting after the quarterback, but also in terms of what he does in the on, on run defense also. Now, the secondary... Don't really know how I feel about it, okay? You do have Corker there at safety, who is one of the best in the SEC. He can do a lot of things. He had 77 tackles last year, two interceptions. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like that Tyran Matthew, Jamal Adams hybrid. You know, you can blitz him off the edge. He's also pretty solid in coverage, and he can come down and kind of be like another linebacker if you need him to. So he's really good. But outside of that, you know, I still have some reservations about the other safety spot and cornerback okay cornerback isn't you know bad you do have Cedric Dort there but I still need to see a little bit more work done and the pass rush needs a lot of improvement also because that was a big Achilles heel that Kentucky's defense had last season when it came to being able to consistently get pressure on the quarterback but overall is Kentucky the biggest sleeper team in the SEC I mean I'm not going to say they're not, but at the same time, I'm definitely, I definitely will say that I have a little bit more confidence in a team like Ole Miss or Arkansas than I do in Kentucky. I definitely understand why people are really high on Kentucky with how talented of an offense they could have this year. I definitely see the potential with Wondell Robinson, Josh Ali, Rodriguez there in that new look offense. But at the same time, you do have Arkansas, who I think is just a little bit more impressive with their off the line. I think they're off to line is the best in the eight in the SEC then you also got to look at Ole Miss Ole Miss is going to be really competitive they're going to be really good this year they can end up winning the West this year with how great their offense is going to be I know their defense isn't going to be that great but their defense definitely should be more improved this year so I I agree that Kentucky is a sleeper but I don't think they're the biggest sleeper team in the SEC like a lot of people are trying to say they are. I still like Arkansas a little bit more and Ole Miss better than I like Kentucky. Not trying to take anything away from Kentucky. I just like those teams a little bit more because I don't think they have as many question marks on the defense side. Well, I won't say that about Ole Miss, but when you look at Arkansas, I think their defense is going to be better than Kentucky, and I think that Arkansas probably could have a better season than Kentucky this year. Then you look at Ole Miss with how great their offense is going to be and how many points they can put up on the board. I also think that they're going to be better than Kentucky, but I definitely can understand why a lot of people are really high on Kentucky and why a lot of people feel Kentucky is a big sleeper team. They're probably the biggest sleeper team in the SEC East, but in the SEC as a whole, I just like Ole Miss and 
Arkansas a little bit more. Simply for the fact that I just like how good the offensive line play is for Arkansas. I like how much experience they have on both sides of the football. And then you look at Ole Miss, I think their offense and Lane Kiffin, they're going to be able to upset a lot of people this year. So not not trying to take anything away from Kentucky, but I want to say they're the biggest sleeper team in the SEC, like a lot of people are trying to say. But I definitely understand why a lot of people feel they're underrated. But you have concerns at um, corner, and you have concerns when it comes to your pass rush. So I'm interested in seeing how those two positions play out. But overall, I am pretty high on Kentucky. I'm just not high on Kentucky as a good amount of other people are on Kentucky. You know, I think Kentucky can be like a eight seven win team maybe they can get nine wins but overall i don't really see this team being the biggest sleeper team in the sec but you guys let me know how you guys feel about kentucky down in the comment section down below okay so the last topic that i want to talk about before we end this episode of the jt sports podcast is how good will arkansas football be in 2021 so when I made my video about Ole Miss saying why Ole Miss could win the SEC West, I made that video like three weeks, almost a month ago, and there were a lot of people in the comment section or a lot of people who hit me up on social media. Make sure that you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, JT Sports underscore. Link to that is down in the comment section and description down below. But there were a good amount of people who said, JT, I think that you need to take a look at Arkansas. Arkansas is being heavily underrated, and they have a lot of seniors returning. Now, I was taking a look at this Arkansas team, and now to me, I think that they're probably, you know, the more underrated team in the SEC. I just got done talking about Kentucky, but I think this is probably the biggest sleeper team in the SEC this year. As a matter of fact, I think that Arkansas would be not only the biggest sleeper team in the SEC, but I think that they would be the most improved team in the SEC this year because they went 3-7 and seven last year, but Honestly, you probably could say that they probably won five games, maybe six last year. You had some games that came down to officiating, and you had some last-minute losses. But overall, I really like what I saw out of Kentucky last year in Sam Pittman's first year. He's going into year two now. He has a really good staff. And I think that Arkansas has the best off the line in it. In the SEC this year, you return all five starters, and Sam Pittman is a offensive line coach pretty much. He's really good when it comes to managing and getting the most out of his offensive line, similar to Mario Christianball up there with Oregon right now. So I think the offensive line is going to be really good. And when you have a really good offensive line, you're going to be in a lot of games, okay? Because football is still a game that is won and lost in the trenches, okay? If you can handle yourself up front, against a team like Alabama or LSU or Georgia, then you're going to be in that game because the main reason why a lot of teams can't keep up for Alabama or Georgia is because they just get dominated up front. So if you're able to handle up, and protect your quarterback, and you give him enough time to throw the football, you can also can create running lanes, then you're going to have an opportunity to have a lot of upsets brewing. So you look at how good that off the line for Arkansas is going to be, pretty much, in my opinion, the best old line in the SEC right now. That's going to open up a lot of things for Arkansas's offense. Now, Arkansas's offense was really solid last year under Felipe Franks at QB. Well, now you have a new quarterback under the helm at center. His name is KJ Jefferson. Will he break out this year? He definitely has the size. He's like 6'3", 240 pounds. He has a very good arm. He also has some mobility. So you look at him taking over at QB, 
He has a really great group of wide receivers that he's going to be throwing to. One of the better wide receiver groups in all of college football. You have Traylon Burks, who's 6'3", 225. He had 51 catches for 820 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. He could be one of the best wide receivers in the SEC by the end of this year. You have Davion Warren, 15 catches, 278 receiving yards last year, three TDs. You also have Jaquan Crawford, who is a transfer from Oklahoma. And you have a solid group of tight ends with Hudson, Henry, and Trey Knox. So KJ Jefferson has a really good group of wide receivers to throw the football to. So he has a good offensive line that's going to be blocking in front of him. He has a talented group of wide receivers that he's going to be throwing to along with a solid group of tight ends. So KJ Jefferson definitely has all the tools to have a breakout season. Then you have the depth at running back. You have Traylon Smith, 710 rushing yards last year, five touchdowns. You have Dominique Johnson, who's going to be that power back, who's going to be running down the middle of the field, who's probably going to be in it third and short situations or goal line packages because he's 6'1", 240 pounds. He is a freight train. And you have Raheem Sanders. So you have a pretty good running back rotation there. Pretty much we're going to be seeing a lot of Traylon Smith and Dominique Johnson there. So you look at how good this offense can be this year. This offense definitely could explode with KJ Jefferson at QB. A really good off the line. A really good group of wide receivers. Like this offense for Arkansas looks really really impressive. But what I'm excited about the most is this defense. Now, last year, Arkansas's defense wasn't that great, okay? Now, they had to play some of the best offenses in college football, but they returned 10 out of 11 starters from last year. The only starter who isn't returning is defensive lineman Jonathan Marshall. But outside of him, you have 10 starters who come back, pretty much the whole entire defense, but one person returns. Now, this defense, I think, is going to end up having a significant amount of improvement when it comes to their pass rush and their third down defense. Now, I think their pass rush is going to improve, but also the third down defense should improve because a big component of being able to get off the field on third down, in my opinion, is being able to get consistent pressure on the quarterback because the majority of the time, you're looking at third and medium situation, like a third and six, third and seven passing situation. And if you can't get pressure on the quarterback in those situations, you're not going to have a lot of success getting off the field. Now, secondary should improve also. If the pass rush improves, that's going to help out the secondary because then the corners and the safeties aren't going to have to be in coverage for all that long. I like the depth that they have at linebacker they're running a 4-2-5 defense this year so you have like only two linebackers and you got Grant Morgan and one of the best names I've heard so far Bumper Pool this man's name is Bumper Pool that's one of the best names that I've have heard so far so you have Bumper Pool there you have Grant Morgan there you have two really good linebackers they combined for like what a lot of tackles so those guys are really good a lot of talent a lot of experience there you also have safety Jalen Catalan who is really good when it comes to tackling kind of like another linebacker so you have a lot of experience on the defense side of the football this year now 
how is the D-line going to look? Because you lost Jonathan Marshall, but you still have Dorian Gerald, Zach Williams there. So the D-line, although you did lose Jonathan Marshall, I don't think it's going to drop off. It could get better also if they're able to improve their ability to get pressure on the QB. And the fact that they're running a 4-2-5 defense is really good because the 4-2-5 defense is the perfect defense to counteract these high octane passing attacks, such as a old Miss who likes to throw the football a lot, similar to Miss. Mississippi State as well, who likes to also throw the football a good amount. So when you're running the 4-2-5, I think that's a really good defense to counteract this heavy pass-oriented offense that a lot of teams are gearing towards. So when you look at Arkansas, I think Arkansas is the biggest sleeper team in the SEC. A lot of people think that is Kentucky. I think that is going to be Arkansas, okay? You have a really good offense with all of the things that they have returning on defense. I think Arkansas could have the biggest jump in the SEC than any team in this conference. Not only the conference, but I think this is going to be the most improved team in college football. This is a team that won three games last year. Easily could have won five or six if the ball would have bounced in their direction. This year, I think this team is going to go from three wins to maybe eight. Eight, eight or seven, okay? And you could make the argument to say that maybe they could even win more games than that. They could win nine and just surprise everybody and take everybody by surprise, including me, and just win 10 games. But I think they can go from seven wins to eight wins this year, which is definitely a significant amount of improvement. And I look at Arkansas, man, this is definitely a team that is uh, upset waiting to happen. They're going to pull off the upset against somebody, rather that be A&M or somebody. Somebody's going to end up going home extremely disappointed. You're going to end up saying, how the hell did we end up losing to Arkansas? So I'm telling you right now, under Sam Pittman, this Arkansas team is really scary. And they were really scary last year. Like, they won three games, but this is a team that was way better than what their record from last year indicates. Like, a lot of people just look at the win-loss column, but sometimes the win-loss column isn't always reflective of how good the team was because you look at a program right now that under Sam Pittman is kind of being revitalized right now. Like, they were 3-7, and seven, but they were a really competitive 3-7. and seven. And like I mentioned earlier, if the ball would have bounced in a different direction, this team could have been a 6-win, 5-win team. So, I'm really high on Arkansas this year. I'm really excited for KJ Jefferson. He has a lot of talent around him to be successful. This is a really dangerous Arkansas team that a lot of people should not sleep on this season. So this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review down below if you enjoyed. Also, make sure that you follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. And I will see you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast shortly.